Well, during this season, we have been going through a topical series on the assurances that we have as believers in Christ. I don't know about you, but this world seems a little upside down right now, but we have many promises from our Lord that we can take to the bank. So far, we've talked about the assurance of salvation, the assurance of forgiveness of sin, the assurance of victory over sin, and today, we look at the assurance that God answers each and every one of our prayers. We will begin by reading out of God's Word from Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. But before we go there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this day, a day in which we um, are readjusting to a new normal still. And though our eyes are on the horizon, wondering when and if we will be able to gather again uh, inside the building in in a near time frame, we look beyond that horizon. We look to the horizon of Christ and his return. We do pray, O Christ, that you would come quickly and make all things new, that not just this pestilence, not just this virus would be vanquished, but that all things will be vanquished, all things that are against you and your authority and your throne. We pray that day would come soon, the remaking of all things. Until then, Lord, teach us how to live in a godly manner. Lord, today is a strange Mother's Day. And often, Lord, Mother's Day is a difficult time for many as they remember mothers they have lost or even mothers that perhaps didn't live up to the ideal or think about ways that they have failed as mothers. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling today as we are isolated and, and, and taken away from our families in many respects. I pray that you would encourage those who are away from their mothers, who are away from their children. Lord, we thank you for our mothers and the way that you have used them in our lives, and we pray for a special blessing upon them today. Grant them joy in this season, despite the difficulties of today. They would know your love, that they would experience your Holy Spirit in their lives, that you would uphold them by your mighty right hand. Now, Lord, as we continue our series on assurance, we do ask for your help by your Holy Spirit, that you would grow us in our commitment to prayer, that we would be better prayer warriors. We pray for unction and anointing for the preacher and the hearer alike. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hear now the word from Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever and ever. You know, one of the greatest songs in the last 30 years or so is Garth Brooks' song, Unanswered Prayers. In it, Brooke tells a story of a high school student who was madly in love with a girl, and he prayed every night that the Lord would make her his. Indeed, he even offered the Lord a deal. Have you ever done that? He said, if he'd only grant this wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. Well, in Brooks's theology, God didn't answer that prayer. Apparently, there wasn't any interest on the girl's part. But as the years passed by, he married someone else. And then some years later, he and his bride visited uh, his high school for a football game. And there was the girl that he had loved so fiercely. And he realized then that, you know, she really wasn't all that she, he thought she was. And he could see in her eyes that she thought the same thing. They were both glad they weren't together. And so Garth sings in an almost hymn-like chorus. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he may not answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Well, perhaps you know that song, and perhaps you even sung it to the radio a time or two. But let's think about that, what that actually means. Because it raises some really good questions, ones that we really struggle with. Perhaps the first is, does God always answer our prayers? Is there such a thing as an unanswered prayer? The second question is like it. Just because he doesn't answer us in the way we want, does that mean he didn't answer the prayer? As we've been going through this series on assurance, there are many assurances we have of the blessings we have in Christ, that we can take those assurances and promises to the bank. And today I'm here to tell you, brother or sister in Christ, or perhaps someone exploring the claims of Jesus, I'm here to tell you that for Christians, there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Let me say that again in a different way. God always answers our prayers. But wait, preacher. What about all those times I've asked for something and and I didn't get it? Well, when we think about the tension of what I've just said, that God always answers our prayers. And, And there is tension there, right? Let's be honest about that. We've all prayed fervently for something and it hasn't come to pass. What are we to do with that? Well, we have to keep in mind that just because God doesn't give us now, immediately, or ever what we ask for does not mean that he has not answered that prayer. In his great book, Praying Backwards, author Brian Chappell says, God always answers. God always answers. In one of four ways. Yes, no, 
not yet, and immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. God answers every prayer, but his pra- our prayers will be answered in one of four ways. Yes, no, not yet, or immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. You have to remember that there are appro- other appropriate answers for God to give us than yes. Lots of reasons. Lots of different kinds of answers. And it's because he sees the whole picture and he has something else in mind for his glory and our good. Let's back up before we explore that a little more and talk about what prayer is. Uh, it's not lighting a candle. Uh, you know, in certain Eastern religions, they have prayer drums in which you write your prayer on a piece of paper and attach it to the drum, and, you, and then the drum spins with the wind, and every time it spins, it's like offering another prayer. That's not, that's not prayer. That's not godly, biblical prayer. What is prayer? Well, I like Richard Pratt's very simple definition in his book on prayer. He says, prayer is a believer's communication with God. Prayer is a believer's communication with God. And with any prayer, there are three elements, and all three must be present for it to be a prayer. One, a believer in Christ. Two, God. And three, communication. Without any one of these things, it falls apart as a prayer. First, God must be involved. God must be part of the prayer. And if he's not part of the prayer, if you're not praying to God, it's just wishful thinking. And we know that wishful thinking is or, or, or wishful hoping is not prayer. If a person isn't a believer, then he doesn't have access before the throne of God. And without communication, there is no voicing of the needs between the believer and God. So you have to have three constituent parts, God, the believer, and communication. Now sometimes we make prayer to be very difficult. Um, but it is simply speaking to God either in our mind or out loud with others or by ourselves. Simply speaking, it is speaking with God in our minds or, in our, uh, or out loud by ourselves or with others. And there, there are many different types of prayers. We can have prayers of worship and adoration, of confession and repentance, of thanksgiving and praise, prayers of supplication, prayers of mourning, prayers that come comes in, uh, in moments of joy, prayers that come in moments of deep sorrow or need, Prayers that are short or urgent. Help me, Lord. What a great prayer that is. Prayers that are more developed. Spontaneous prayers that come in the moment or prayers that you've written down and planned out. Whatever kind of prayer that you offer to the Lord, we first must realize the amazing gift that it is for us to go to the Lord in prayer. We're not just speaking out into thin air, wondering if something's going to make its way to God. When we pray, we are entering into the very throne room of God. The throne room of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God Almighty, Lord of hosts, of angel armies, the God of glory, the great I Am, the creator of the heavenly places, the sea and the dry land, and all that is in them, the 300 sextillion stars, the planets around them, the sustainer of all things, the designer of the largest galaxy and the smallest cell alike. And we get to come before the righteous judge because he is our loving Father. Think about when you go before your father. If you had a good father and you had a legitimate request, would he listen? 
If you had a need, would he fill it? How much more so our Father who is in heaven? We get to come before him. Who are we to address the king? Who are we to enter into his presence without getting zapped? We who are sinful and defiled by our transgressions? Well, it's because we have been robed in the righteousness of Christ. We go before him not in our own name, not in our own ability, but in the name of Jesus Christ. When we say we pray in the name of Jesus, it's not just tacking on in Christ's name at the end of the sermon. Though That is a helpful way to end our prayers, or not the sermon, end of the prayer. It is praying on the basis of trusting in and resting in what Christ has done for us, which we have received in faith as we believe on his name. Well, God promises some amazing things about prayer. So let's build this tension up of of God answering our prayers or not answering our prayers. Well, John 16, 24 says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Let's add another one. Mark eleven twenty three through 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that, uh, believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? James 4, 2. You do not have because you do not ask. In light of these verses, do you think that God promises to answer prayers? These prayers, excuse me, these verses make it pretty clear that the problem isn't that we're asking too much of God or presenting something to Him He can't do or handle. Really, our prayers are much smaller than they ought to be. We pray to God because He is sovereign. He is in control over all things. We pray to Him because we know He has the ability to answer our prayers. Every believer of every denominal stripe believes in God's power and complete control when he or she is on their knees. We don't wish or hope for things to come in prayer. We ask for them. God loves for us to pray and He loves to answer our prayers. He loves to give good gifts to His people. So when we think about all the problems that we face in life, from health issues to financial woes, or pressures right now, perhaps in relationships, or financial because of the coronavirus, or perhaps as we struggle with depression or anxiety, my friends, those things are on the rise. For those who have struggled already, it has made it worse. And folks who have never really struggled with depression or anxiety, many of those are now struggling. My friends, don't struggle alone. Call me. Let me pray with you. Let me talk to you about practical steps that you can do to help those things. Where do we turn to for help? We turn to God, and He promises to answer. James 4.2 really is um, true. We do not have 
because we do not ask. We have not because we ask not. In his book, Praying Backwards, Brian Chappell recounts a well-known story about the great Christian missionary um, in, who ran an orphanage in England, George Mueller. It says, on March the 9th, 1842, the resources of the orphanage run by George Mueller were exhausted. For many years, Mueller had never asked for money to run the orphanage. He simply prayed for their needs, and God had always provided. But on this day, the money had run out. Mueller's response was to do what he knew best. He gathered friends early in the morning, and he prayed again. The daily mail provided no relief. Then just as all hope seemed lost, a special delivery letter arrived. It was a letter that had initially been delivered to the wrong address. Doesn't that sound just like God? The letter contained a sizable gift mailed from another city. The timely arrival of the misdirected letter meant that the Lord had begun to answer the morning prayer several days earlier. The Lord had interwoven events, thoughts, and timings involving the donor, the postal service, various forms of transportation, bank transfers, and Mueller's prayers to culminate in the needed donation arriving at the crucial moment. God uses prayers to accomplish his plan for our good and his glory. But there is tension, isn't there? There is tension. Scripture tells us you have not because you ask not. But I don't know about you, but some of the most discouraging times in my prayer life are when I've prayed for things for a long time, perhaps even years, and nothing seems to happen. I think that we can learn a lot of things from the passage we read before the, ser- before the sermon when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. You think about his prayer. You know, if Jesus, who is God, felt the need to pray to his Father, who is God, then perhaps we should increase our estimation of our need for prayer. But note how he prayed. Verse 36 tells us, And he said, Abba, this is Aramaic for daddy. And he said, Daddy, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. You see that? that? That's the prayer of faith. All things are possible for you. He has supreme faith, perfect faith, perfect knowledge that his Father can do whatever he so wills according to the counsel of his will. And then he specifically asks, remove this cup from me. He's not talking about a, a glass or a cup. He's talking about what is to come the next day. Something that he, the Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had planned from all eternity past of the sending of the Son to redeem his people from their sins, bring freedom to you and to me. And yet, in spite of this, he prays, remove this cup from me. And then he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Do you think the Father heard that prayer? You better believe it. What do we learn from this? One, it is a prayer of faith. He trusted in what God could do if it was his desire. Second, he was specific. He specifically asked for the thing that he desired. 
Sometimes we're not very specific in our prayers, are we? I think the call is to be more specific. But third, he submitted to the will of the Father. Not what I will, but what you will. And so here we are reminded that God will always answer our prayers. He will always answer our prayers, period. However, he does not always answer our prayers in the way that we might desire And that's a big thing that we have to think about as believers in Christ. We have this amazing gift in prayer, and we get to come before Him and fellowship with the Father and and throw ourselves down before Him, pleading and asking for things in the name of Jesus, assured that He will hear us, but He answers in one of four ways. Yes, no, not yet, or measurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. The first is he might answer yes. Isn't it exciting when he answers yes? Praise God when he does. It's amazing to see those things. Uh, A few years back, I had this week of just amazing answers to prayer. Uh, I counted something like 25 or 26 specific yes answers to prayers that I've been praying for. Some were in that week that I prayed for specifically, and then others were ones I've been praying for for years. And, And I keep that list in my desk, and it's always an encouragement to me. Sometimes the answer is yes, praise God, keep praying. But sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes he does answer no. Now we have to be careful that because he answers no, or just because he answers no, that does not mean he's a bad father. That does not mean he's a bad God. Sometimes we're led to think that way. If God does not remove the situation from me, if he does not take this illness from me, if he does not fix this situation, then he doesn't care for us. That's a lot of times how we think. The reality is, though, that he can see the bigger picture than we can. He knows better than we do. If your five-year-old child comes to you and says, Daddy, can I play with your pistol and your ammunition? What are you going to say? You say, sure, have fun. No, of course not, because you know better. Well, we're offered several reasons in Scripture for reasons he might say no. The first we find in Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Sometimes our prayers are hindered by sin. We should not expect God to answer our prayers if, in a yes sense, if we are living in unrepentant sin. If we are cherishing sin in our lives, if we are refusing to turn from it, and then we say, Lord, help me with this, we should not always expect God to answer that with a yes. Now, sometimes he will for his his glory and our good, but a lot of times he won't. Secondly, sometimes our prayers are hindered by doubt. James 1, 6-7 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. The doubt here has less to do with believing that the actual specific thing being asked for will happen and more to do with our belief that God has the ability to do it. I think the prayer of faith is best uh, seen in Christ's prayer to his Father when he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. This recognition that God has the ability to do it. And so when we pray in faith, believing in, uh, praying with faith and believing in the Lord, 
we are doing so in a way that trusts that God can do all things. Sometimes our prayers are hindered because we ask wrongly. James 4, 3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. One writer on prayer uh, that I read likes to warn us against seeing prayer as Aladdin's lamp. We pull it out when we want something only to put it back. And the things that we desire are not things really for our good or his glory. You know, you, you actually can't pray for things that God forbids. And that's seen in this, uh, this passage, 1 John five fourteen. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. Sometimes the answer is no because it's not according to his will. Now we can use this, this phrase, his will, in two ways. One, his revealed will of what the Word of God says. Uh, we cannot pray that God will help us to cheat the IRS. <laughs> we cannot pray that God will help us to rob a bank. Lord, we pray for the logistics of this bank robbery. That's not a godly prayer. Uh, we cannot pray that. And he is going to answer no to that. But then there's also the sense of his will in his secret will, or what's called his decorative will, that which he has decreed from the, uh, he's decreed the end from the beginning. And there's some things that we pray for that are not part of his plan, and he's going to say no to. And sometimes he might say no to protect us. Have you seen that in your life? I know I've seen it time and time again. I've prayed for something specifically, and I'm talking fervently. And God has answered no. Now, sometimes we can long-term look back and see how he was protecting us from something. Sometimes we can't, and we'll never know why he has said no. But I think of jobs that I've applied for, that that I've prayed earnestly for, I've fasted over, and God said no. And I was heartbroken. And then looking back years later, I think, oh, man, praise God I didn't get that job. Um, Have you seen that in your own life? God really does know better than, than we do. And so as we pray, we trust that he knows better than we do. And we present our request boldly to him, but also with humility, just as Christ prayed in the garden. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, he asks, but your will, not mine, be done well so he can answer yes no and then not yet not yet I I see this one a lot in our lives right a lot in our lives I think of the parable of the persistent widow in, in Luke's gospel where she keeps going back over and over and over again to this unjust judge and then finally he relents and then Jesus says well you know God's a lot like that judge but he's not unjust he's so much better he's holy and righteous and he will give justice to the elect speedily now sometimes God's definition of speedily and ours well let's be honest sometimes they're different but sometimes God answers not yet The answer is going to be yes, but just not yet. How often do you see this with your children or with your grandchildren? Is it time to go yet? Is it time to go yet? Can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Well, the answer will be yes in just a few minutes, but we're not quite to the perfect timing. God's timing is always perfect. And perhaps it's just not time for something to come to pass. And in the process, as we are persistent in our prayer, we are learning to trust and rely upon Him daily. 
as I think about illustrations from my own life. We saw this especially with my great-grandmother, whom we called Mutter. I remember growing up praying for her salvation. As a family, we prayed for years. You know, for a long time, the answer was no. Well, that's what it seemed like. In in reality, it was not yet. You know when she became a believer? The day before she died at the age of 98. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Well, he answers all of our prayers. He answers every single one of them. But then it's not always going to be yes. Yes, no, not yet, or my favorite. Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. It's kind of like if your child asks you for um, maybe a, a knife. And what they're thinking is a wooden knife. And then you get them Rambo's knife, right? This, this long. How much greater have you answered their request? Or perhaps they've asked you, hey, can we go fishing? Thinking that you're going to go over to the pond, the local uh, park, and go fishing. But in reality, what you do is you charter a boat for the whole afternoon, and you go out on the coast and catch everything in the sea. How much more have you answered his, his or her request than what he had actually asked for? And yet sometimes that's how God works in our lives. Where he says, hey, you're asking for too small of a thing. You're asking for provision, I'm going to give you a lot of it. You're asking for this bill to be paid, guess what? We're talking about a lot bigger here. It's a lot of fun when God answers prayers like that. Well, God answers everyone our prayers. Yes, no, not yet, or immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Sometimes, though, God's priorities are different than ours. But we know that even though his priorities are different than ours, we always can go to him and ask him because of our relationship with him. He is not a distant father. He is not one we have to write to and wait for a response. You know, over the years I've sent letters to many elected officials of both parties. I've written to mayors and governors and representatives and senators and at least two presidents. And, and you know, almost every time, almost every time, I get a response. Now, not a single one of them have, has actually been from the person I wrote to. Sure, their, their signature might have been at the bottom of the page, but it was a form letter. And it had been printed with a computer. But that's not like our relationship with God. My relationship with my elected officials is a formal one. I am under their authority. Perhaps I voted for or against them. I have a relationship with them, but it's a formal one. It's a distant one, but not with God. Not with God. So often I think we are hesitant to pray or reticent not doing it to pray because we forget the relationship that we have with the Father. The two presidents I've written to didn't read my letters, but the God of the universe, he hears my petitions several times a day, and he promises to answer. His answers are always framed by two priorities, his glory and our good. His glory and our good. And as we think about how do we reconcile his definition of good and our definition of good, when we feel that tension we merely have to think of how he answered Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. How did the Father answer that prayer? He answered it, no. He answered it, no. 
He did not remove the cup from his son. Indeed, within 24 hours, Jesus was dead on the cross. He had been crushed for our iniquities by the Father. It wasn't a, it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't an accident. It was what God had planned from the beginning of the world. That God would enter into this world and enter into suffering, just like we experience, on a much greater scale. That he might redeem us. And that he might serve, Christ might serve as our high priest. Who even now intercedes, prays for us before the throne of God the Father. And because of that, we have access before the throne of the same God, the same Father, our Father in heaven. Well, my desire has been to encourage you in prayer. Know that God always answers your prayer. Garth Brooks had it wrong. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Yes, no, not yet, and measurably more than we ever, ever could ask or imagine. But these promises are to believers in Christ. We can say that God only hears the prayers of believers. Now, that doesn't mean that God isn't aware of, uh, of what unbelievers, of those who don't know Jesus, are praying. He, he knows everything. He, he knows the hearts of man and the words of our lips before they are even formed. But in the sense of, of our prayers having access to him, of him taking them into consideration and acting on them, that is only true of those who have been bathed in the blood of Jesus. See, in order to go before God, something has to happen to the record and the stain of our sin. The things we do every day in our thought, words, and deeds that go against God's holy desires. And this is what Christ came to take care of. Have you allowed him to take care of that? Have you received the gift that he purchased for his people on the cross? Verified in that empty tomb of Easter morning? If you desire help in this time, you first need to ask God to help you with your sin. He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that can forgive you of your sin. Taking what we have done and paying for it on the cross. You can't get to heaven by being good. You can't get to heaven by working hard. You get to heaven. You get relationship with God. You, you have salvation by receiving, just like we receive a gift, receiving the gift of salvation as we turn from our sin and trust in him. Have you done that? Call upon the Lord. He will hear that prayer. He will hear the prayer of faith calling upon him for salvation. Because one day, Christ is coming back. We're told in Scripture to pray for that day, that we would hasten the day of Christ's return. And when he does, our prayers will turn to praise. Our faith will turn to sight. Oh, I'll look forward to that day. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we now use this great gift that you have given us called prayer. We come before you, our God. We are believers. We are your children because of what Christ has done for us. And now we communicate with you. We present our request to you. We first praise you for what you've done in salvation through Christ Jesus. Lord, help us, we ask, to be uh, more dedicated in prayer, believing that it works, 
trusting in your goodness even when the answer may not be yes. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.